Jiang Zemin's uncle, Jiang Shangqing, only 15 years his senior, was a CCP member, and was killed in gunfight, in 1939, survived by his wife, Wang Jilan, and two daughters, Jiang Ziling, and Jiang Ziwei. Jiang Zemin, aspiring to climb the Communist Party ladders, from day one would write the name Jiang Shangqing when filling out forms asking the name of his father, claiming that he was adopted by his uncle when he was little. Jiang Zemin thus audaciously transformed himself from an offspring of a traitor into the son of a revolutionary martyr. Then he began visiting his aunt from time to time. Never did he visit with empty hands, however. Jiang Zemin always brought gifts, pleasantly surprising both mother and daughters. People have feelings, and as such, are naturally prone to feigning naivety, while others might wish it. And in this instance, Jiang Zemin's lies about his parentage, stood only to benefit Wang Jilan and her family. A martyr's family background alone would benefit him little. He needed the patronage of certain high-ranking officials, in order to advance further, politically. It's for this reason that Jiang Zemin began to seek out senior communists affiliated, in the past, with Jiang Shangqing. Jiang Zemin was thrilled to learn that Vice Premier of the State Council, Zhang Yiping, was his uncle's friend, and discovered that Zhang Yiping loved calligraphy. He came up with an idea that would cater to Zhang Yiping's likes. Once, at the end of a meeting, Zhang Yiping heard someone called from behind, Vice Premier Zhang. He turned and discovered that it's Jiang Zemin, the Deputy Director of China's Import and Export Commission. Do you still remember Jiang Shangqing? He was my foster father. So startled was Zhang Yiping by the sudden and outlandish remark that he was rendered speechless. Jiang Zemin sought the honor of General Zhang's handwriting, wishing to place it on Jiang Shangqing's new tombstone. The scheme was so effective that it not only evoked tears from Wang Jilan and her two daughters, but further convinced Zhang Yiping that Jiang Zemin was, indeed, his best friend's adopted son. In the early period of the War of Resistance Against Japan, or the period of cooperation between the Communists and the Nationalists, as it's also called, Jiang Shangqing was Wang Daohan's immediate superior, and promoted Wang. After Jiang Zemin learned of the connection between the two, he kept close to Wang Daohan and addressed him benevolent teacher every time talking to him. With Wang Daohan's guidance and support, Jiang Zemin's political career was smooth and uneventful. And yet, after he gained the supreme power in China, he traveled to Shanghai to see all of his patrons, except for Wang Daohan. For this, he was harshly rebuked in Shanghai as a mean fish with no conscience. However, he could not ingratiate himself with Zhao Ziyong, the party's secretary-general at the time, in spite of all his roundabout ways. Then he attempted to get to know Zhao's secretaries. General Hong Shuiji, a former military leader, was from Anhui province. Jiang Zemin let it be known to Hong Shuiji that he himself, too, was from Anhui, and hence shared the same hometown. Tailoring his words however stand to benefit him as the hallmark of Jiang Zemin's political life. Jiang Ziwei said, after her father, Jiang Shangqing, died, our family had little to eat sometimes had no food at all. Jiang Shangqing died as a communist bandit. The last thing Jiang Shijun wanted was any involvement with the communist bandit's family. How could he instead offer to send his son to a dead communist for adoption? Jiang Zemin was both the eldest son and the eldest grandson in the Jiang family. According to Chinese tradition and rules of inheritance, neither the eldest son nor the eldest grandson can be put up for adoption. When the team of writers, appointed by Jiang Zemin, found inconsistencies in his family background, 
a panic Jiang Zemin compensated by using his political power to convince the public that he had been adopted by his martyred uncle, Jiang Shangqing, at the age of 13. A slew of memoirs and biographies were issued cementing the claim. Perhaps most absurd was one article, in the life of CCP's Guangdong branch, by Jiang Zemin's close follower, and Guangdong party chief, Li Changchun. Circulation of that issue, reached nearly two million emphatically driving home the message that Jiang Zemin was the martyr's foster child. At the CCP's 16th Congress in November of 2002, Li Chongchun, the man credited with issuing the phony account of Jiang's past, was promoted to membership in the CCP's elite standing committee of the Politburo. One year later, on November 29, 2003, MediaInChina.com reported that, on the opinion of a steering office responsible for supervising the party and the government newspapers and publications, the life of CCP's Guangdong branch was taken out of circulation. Wang Yiping graduated from Shanghai Foreign Language Institute. She is Wang J. Lan's niece. After Jiang Zemin transferred from the Japanese Puppet Central University to Shanghai Jiao Tong University, he visited her family and somewhat liked her, though neither of the two thought much of it at the time. In 1949 when it's obvious that the CCP would soon seize power, Jiang Zemin was struck by an idea and began pursuing Wang Yiping. Jiang Shijun regarded his brother Jiang Shangqing as communist bandit, and after the brother got killed, never gave Wang Jialan's family any financial help. When Wang Jialan saw Jiang Zemin and her niece were dating, she didn't realize that what Jiang Zemin wanted was the glory of the son of revolutionary martyr. She thought that Jiang Zemin was different from his cold-hearted, disloyal father. She was pleased about their relationship. In December of 1949, Jiang Zemin swiftly married Wang Yiping. In 1956, soon after Jiang Zemin returned to Changchun from the Soviet Union, his wife, Wang Yipin, and their two young sons moved from Shanghai to Changchun. He first became the head of the department, and then was promoted to deputy director and concurrently the party branch secretary. In terms of technical skills, his colleagues knew that he wasn't good at his job. Jiang Zemin's forte was not so much resolving technical problems, as accompanying delegations visiting the plant. But he was good at something, talking. His talent was concentrated in his mouth. His relationship with the Soviet experts at the plant was most collegial, reaching new highs whenever Russian folk songs came into play. His colleagues thus gave him, in jest, a foreign-sounding nickname Karakhan, a name suggestive of the times. Karakhan is a character in a Russian novel, who makes falsy, exaggerated and empty statements, being a person ever keen on doing things for his own gains. Upon assuming any real work, his incompetent is exposed. The nickname Karakon not only suited Jiang's personality, but was also befitting the standards the CCP used to promote people. During Mao Zedong's great leap forward, exaggerating and lying reached a peak. In the automobile industry, within half a year, more than 200 types of automobiles were said to have been designed and manufactured. Moreover, the CCP claimed that advanced technologies were put into the new vehicles, China's auto industry was said to be advancing rapidly, and surpassing other countries. One of the more advanced automobile was allegedly created by Jiang Zemin and his co-workers. The new automobile employed a wooden air pump, and, a bamboo body. Of course, 
Jiang Zima knew that his group's inventions were not much use, but one thing, he understood perfectly, was that only by doing so could he keep in step with the party and continue to rise through the ranks. The Great Leap Forward brought about economic disasters and horrible famine that spread to the entire country. Some entire households and villages starved to death. In many areas where the famine was particularly severe, people even ate other people's children. Experts estimated that from 1959 to 1961, between 20 and 50 million people died due to starvation. During the Great Leap Forward, Jiang Zemin's lying suited the party's taste and got himself promoted to the head of the branch. Therefore his family was not affected by the famine at all, instead they lived quite well. However, Wang Yiping was not happy. She blamed Jiang Zemin for moving the family to such an icy frigid place. She loved to dress beautifully, but here she had to wrap herself in a heavy thick cotton jacket and cotton quilted pants most time of the year. In addition, after Jiang Zemin returned from the Soviet Union, he was missing the beautiful Spy Kleva. He was seldom home. Upon getting off work, he often went to sing and dance with the Soviet experts. Wang Yiping was left at home alone to take care of the two children. She could feel that Jiang Zemin's heart seemed left behind somewhere in the Soviet Union. Whenever asked about his life in the Soviet, Jiang Zemin always responded evasively and kept his lips sealed. This made her only more suspicious and resentful. She couldn't talk about her suspicion to others of course, but one time she couldn't help but pour her heart out to the director of the second branch. Today many people find Wang Yiping's appearance to be rather lackluster like an owl. But back then Wang Yiping was one of the three beauties at the plant, being noticeably pretty. Having received a warm consolation from the director, she thought of a way to heal her emotional wounds, having an affair with a man. Bad news travels fast. But when Wang's affair was exposed, she kept doing things her way no matter what others said. At that time, rumors about the affair were the main topics of gossip at the factory. In public, Jiang Zemin pretended not to know, but at home the couple quarreled badly. Jiang Zemin hated to leave prosperous Shanghai, but looking at things from a long-term perspective, he expected that moving to Changchun would eventually pay dividends and get himself further promoted by Wang Daohan. And now, the affair gave him an excuse to make demand. Jiang came to Wang Daohan asking to transfer to a different location. His most compelling reason was now that everyone knows my wife has been having an affair, how can I run things here? Wang Daohan, having once been promoted by a Jiang Shangqing, was deeply sympathetic to the plight of the adopted son of the deceased man. So in 1962, Wang Daohan assigned Jiang Zemin to the post of Deputy Director of the Shanghai Electrical Research Institute under the first Ministry of Machinery Industry. Seeing that the Deputy Minister, Wang Daohan, had personally helped to place Jiang, the subordinates were especially attentive, and assigned Jiang Zemin a nice and spacious two-bedroom apartment. From this experience, Jiang Zemin appreciated even more the power of political authority. From that point on, he was even more mindful of pleasing Wang Daohan. Jiang Zemin's career was extremely smooth, thanks to Wang Daohan's personal attention. He was not only glad that Uncle Jiang Shangqing was once a CCP official, but also that he had died so early in life. Otherwise, given Uncle Jiang Shangqing's relationship with Jiang Zemin's father Jiang Shijun, no one would have helped Jiang Zemin get anywhere, as the son of a traitor.
1966, Jiang Zemin was 40 years old. Mao Zedong launched the Cultural Revolution, in hope of regaining dictatorial power over the party, power which he felt had fallen into the hands of Liu Shaoqi. Mao incited students and workers at the lowest levels to revolt and seize power. Within a short time, nearly everyone who had been in power was attacked, denounced, or even detained, and tortured. In May of that year, Jiang Zemin was appointed director, and acting party secretary of the Wuhan Institute of Thermodynamic Engineering. The appointment made Jiang Zemin a 13th grade cadre, that is, he was vaulted into an elite circle of senior CCP cadres. The truth is, Jiang Zemin was terribly frightened during the Cultural Revolution. He feared that he would be investigated, exposed, and criticized, and worried that his shady past during the time of Japanese occupation would be discovered. Jiang Zemin went first to Beijing, then on to Shanghai for several weeks to inquire about the political climate. He repeatedly rejoined Wang Yiping, don't say anything. Wang Yiping advised Jiang Zemin, to intentionally deviate from the party line, on a few trivial issues, so as to divert the rebels' attention from the large ones. Since he had been transferred there only recently, people could find little to criticize him about. Jiang Zemin was not much affected. Jiang Zemin took the attitude of admitting to all minor mistakes, while denying wrongdoings when it came to important matters. When the masses criticized him for not doing solid work, only doing a lot of boasting, he criticized himself saying, You are right, I'm braggart Jiang. Jiang Zemin had been influenced by actors in Yangzhou City since as early as his childhood. He always has a comb in his pocket, and would often take out to groom himself, even in others' company. He felt good about himself, despite being somewhat effeminate. When the populace was criticizing the capitalist rotors, they pointed out that Jiang Zemin had a small comb, and a big head, and a bourgeoisie attitude. Jiang Zemin immediately admitted to it. In 2003, during the National People's Congress, Jiang Zemin told the delegation from Hubei province. The rebels asked me what I fear the most. I answered that I fear Chairman Mao the most. And for saying that, I was publicly criticized for three days. If he was guilty-free, why would he fear Chairman Mao? At that time, people couldn't love Chairman Mao enough. Back then, the political investigation personnel poked everywhere to investigate and dig things out. Even things that had transpired decades before, were exposed. But Jiang Zemin was never toppled, since he had a golden status of being a martyr's foster son. The martyr was dead, so was the investigation. In 1969, Martyr's foster son Jiang Zemin went through the political investigation quickly, without incident, and was first sent to a May 7 cadre school to work, and to be tempered. Soon after that, he was sent to Beijing in 1970, and was appointed deputy director of the Foreign Affairs Bureau, under the first ministry of the machinery industry. At the time, the CCP was extremely isolated in the international arena. Both superpowers, the US and the Soviet became threatening enemies of the CCP. China and the Soviet Union, two communist countries, had border conflicts, and fiercely fought a few times along their borders. In order to get out of the predicament of isolation, the CCP tried hard to bring several small communist countries over to its side. The CCP decided to send some people to Romania, to help facilitate its industrial buildup. Joe and Lai met with the group. Joe was a CCP figure who managed to remain standing, no matter how the political climate changed. He was involved, from behind the curtain, in all of the political movements launched by the CCP, charming on the outside, but cruel on the inside. After the meeting, Zhou Enlai thought highly of Jiang Zemin, and made him the group's leader.
After he returned to China in 1972, he was promoted to director of the Foreign Affairs Bureau, a position he would hold for eight years. The bureau was a good place to be though. In the 1970s, when goods of any type were hard to come by, those who had some connections with foreign affairs, had access to desirable items. Jiang Zemin took advantage of his position, and would every now and then send some gifts to his superiors. He tried to please people any way he could, catering to everyone. His eldest son, Jiang Mianheng, was able to make it into Fudan University, thanks to his frequent provisions of hot commodities to the leaders. At that time, Wang Daohan was in a bad predicament. Jiang Zemin figured that investment should be looked at in terms of long run. With Wang Daohan's qualifications, records of service, and status in the CCP, he had a great chance of making a comeback. Therefore, Jiang Zemin hurried to Wang Daohan's home, upon returning from Romania with a full load. He brought things such as milk powder and candy, amounting to a rather sizable treat for Wang's family. The team who wrote Jiang Zemin's biography, sought out his accomplishments of some sort, but could not find any. The consensus is, one can't say that Jiang Zemin did not work hard, or was unmotivated. He did well in adapting to the times, and keeping pace with his superiors. According to the wife of a deceased director, Jiang Zemin's own reference, her husband used to say, Jiang Zemin would exaggerate his achievements, and make something out of nothing. Jiang Zemin was average at his job, and had no merits to speak of, but frequently studied the works of corruption in officialdom, and deeply understood that, under the CCP's rule, only by being opportunistic, boasting, and flattering one's superiors, a person could sail through, and meet with political success. During each of the political movements that Jiang Zemin experienced, it was always the case, that he would falsely accuse somebody, and make people suffer. In 1976, there was a terrible earthquake in Tangshan, hundreds of thousands of lives were lost. In the same year, the CCP's three big guns, Zhou Enlai, Zhu Da, and Mao Zedong died one after another. In September, soon after Mao died, Yang Jianying, went against what Mao asked of him before his death, and collaborated with Wang Dongxing, and Hua Guofeng, and initiated a coup d'etat. Jiang Zemin turned 50, in that year. Vice Chairman of the CCP, Wang Hongwen, member of the Standing Committee of the Politburo, Zhang Chunchao, members of the Politburo of the CCP Central Committee, Jiang Qing, and Yao Wenyuan, the so-called Gang of Four, were arrested. Though Jiang Qing was Mao's widow, she was, even before Mao's corpus turned cold, made a political prisoner, along with nephew Mao Yuan-sin. The perpetrators did so under the auspices of following Mao's political lines, it was illustrated of the saying, no CCP leader has a good ending. Shanghai had been the Gang of Four's home turf by that time. In order to control Shanghai more effectively, a central working group was sent in. Since Jiang Zemin had worked in Shanghai before, he was temporarily made a member of the working group, and accompanied the group to Shanghai. When the working group entered Shanghai, the military force there, who numbered more than 30,000s, were ordered to ride in a few hundred vehicles, and marched throughout the city. They shouted in unison, overthrow the Gang of Four. Driven by college students, the long-oppressed Shanghai people took to the streets, and cheered the overthrow of the Gang of Four. 
Jiang Zemin was overwhelmed by the welcome that the Central Working Group received from the people of Shanghai. Before long, the working group was no longer needed. Jiang Zemin reluctantly returned to Beijing, and resumed his office as director of the Foreign Affairs Bureau in the First Ministry of Machinery Industry. He had got something of a high, from the experience in the working group of the Central Committee, the sense of power, he felt like a regal delegate, and the satisfaction, of having everyone asked for his approval. Jiang Zemin was determined to continue to rise through the ranks. Jiang Zemin didn't place his bet right every time though. In 1978 Jiang Zemin hedged a wrong bet. He didn't expect Deng Xiaoping to return to power, because he had made speeches, that strongly criticized Deng Xiaoping, during the criticized Deng, and fight the rightist reversal attempts movement in 1975. He almost was categorized as one of the three kinds of people, a stinging label, that would spell political downfall. His political career met with obstacles. In 1979, the central leadership formed a state administration, on import and export affairs, and a state administration, on foreign investments, both chaired by Gu Mu. Wang Daohan was one of the vice chairmen. In 1980, Wang Daohan was appointed mayor of Shanghai. He strongly recommended Jiang Zemin to Gu Mu. Jiang Zemin's career suddenly gained momentum. He landed the position of deputy director for both the State Administration on Import and Export Affairs, and the State Administration on Foreign Investments. This rank was at the deputy minister level. At that time, the conflict between the pro-reform camp and the conservative one was still quite intense. Jiang Zemin changed his opinion depending on the circumstances, leaning to the left one moment, then to the right the next. Ruan Ning, secretary of the former CCP general secretary Hu Yaobang, recalled about Jiang Zemin, he said a lot of empty words, a lot of ambiguous things, he struck me as someone who was good at bureaucracy, and flip-flopping, depending on whoever was in power. Lucky for Jiang Zemin, before the final moment arrived, he saw that the reformers were winning, and didn't hedge the wrong bet. Thanks to the promotion and lobbying by Jiang Shangqing's connections, Wang Daohan and Zhang Yiping, in March of 1982, the then 56-years-old Jiang Zemin, was appointed Minister of Electronics Industry, in the same year, at the CCP's 12th National Congress, he became a member of the CCP Central Committee. Jiang Zemin didn't work very hard, but was keen on building connections with high-ranking officials. He spent a lot of time trying to meet and visit central government and ministry-level officials. He also made himself popular among the grown-up children of the former top leaders. Jiang Zemin carried a small notebook with him wherever he went. In the notebook he wrote down the birthdays, interests, and hobbies, of the leaders and their relatives, that were useful to him. He would study them whenever he had time. Taking advantage of his position, Jiang Zemin often in person brought large screen televisions, and other expensive imported electronics to the homes of high-ranking officials. In front of the most influential figures, he would even kneel down on the ground, to set up TV channels for them, so that this big-shot party boss would say, this man is very dependable in his work. In 1989, Jiang Zemin visited Deng Xiaoping's house for the first time. The way he poured water for Deng's children, and fetched Deng's slippers, is still the source of laughter at the dinner table of children of former top leaders. Jiang Zemin accomplished little during his tenure at the Ministry of Electronics Industry, while there were enough scandals about him circulated with quite some frequency. When he visited the United States in the 1980s, he snuck over to the red light district in Las Vegas, to watch strippers and visit prostitutes. The expenses were reimbursed by the Chinese government. A typical senior CCP official wouldn't dare to go so far at that time, 
Later on, during the 10-plus years, when Jiang Zemin was in charge of the CCP, the central government, and the military, the way in which prostitution flourished in China far exceeded that in Western countries. The corrupted and immoral officials, supervised by Jiang Zemin, all have mistresses. Whether openly or secretly, strip dances abound all over the country, and became the advanced cultural scenes. A popular saying goes, if a man doesn't visit prostitute, he's letting the party down, if a woman doesn't sell her body, she is letting Jiang Zemin done. <laughs>